Well, I mean, one of my first childhood memories is being at the grocery store with my mom and she's writing a checkout for the groceries. She just looked down at me and she goes, we're broke. Welcome millionaires and future millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocation. Now to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 323. Stace, how are you doing? Hey, you know what? For once, I'm actually doing better than you are today. <laughs> hey, now, don't poke fun. I'm a little under the weather, but yeah. Well, we all we all hope you get feeling better soon. Yeah, no kidding. Well, today we have a cool episode. Uh, another husband and wife, actually. We have uh, Jesse. We have Jesse and Ellie. Their net worth is uh, right around $800,000. And yeah, she works in the military as an attorney. And he is a uh, special ed teacher, formerly worked at uh, some national parks. So kind of some new professions. And uh, yeah, they're well on their way. Kind of got married five years ago and uh, are off to the races and built up a net worth pretty quickly. They'll be doing the million dollar hauler any year now. Any year. I think it'll probably be within the next year, if I had to guess, with the way that they've been trucking along. Granted, who knows what the market will look like, but they've been uh they've been trucking along good. So yeah, without any further uh delay, let's get into the episode with Jesse and Ellie. Jesse and Ellie, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, well, I heard you put out a call a few months ago for underrepresented professions, and I thought LA and I represented a couple of those. I, I am about to start my 10th year as a special education teacher. It'll be the uh, third different state that I've worked in due to her career. We can talk about that in just a minute. But um, I grew up on a farm in Missouri and then went away to college. And once I graduated from college, I uh, didn't really want to settle down. So I started working seasonal jobs in national parks all over the country and did that for a couple of years and uh, eventually decided that I wanted to go back to school and get my teaching certification. So I did a one-year program to do that. And then, yeah, here I am now, like I said, about to start my 10th year as a special education teacher. I was a little different. Um, I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. I grew up in a suburb outside, went to school, went to college after I graduated, couldn't really find a job. So we were having um, Chinese for dinner that night. My parents were like talking about you know, I need to find a place outside their house to live. And uh, my fortune uh, was you would make a great lawyer. So I actually signed up for the LSAT that night, studied for it, took it, and I uh, went to law school. And while there, I uh, was listening to a military recruiter specifically for the Air Force. Um, and I fell in love with what he said. And that's what I wanted to do. So I joined the military as a JAG officer, so an attorney, uh, right after I passed the bar. And so I am six and a half years in now uh, with the Air Force. Wow. So let me ask about that real quick before we get into to some of these other details. So you become a, a JAG officer. Is that the correct terminology? Yes. And at that point, were, was it because of the lifestyle? Was it because of getting student loans paid for? Or what was kind of the thought process like, hey, this seems like a good route? Um, I think the biggest driving force for me was the lifestyle. I really wanted to be able to move and travel um, more than what 
a typical lawyer has the ability to do. I'm usually stuck in one town or one state because that's where your bar, that's where your license is. And I, I really like the idea of moving every two, three years. Um, that really drew me. I will, I'm not going to lie. The um, student li- uh, loan repayment program, program that they did have was a big draw as well. Just knowing I was going to have all those student loans to start paying off. Yeah. Interesting. So at this point, what's the net worth today? So right now we're sitting at just over 800,000. Nice. And what's the uh, the breakup of that? So we have 330,000 in a paid for rental property. Um, that's about what it's worth. We have 240,000 in Roth money. And that's split between my Roth IRA and Ellie's Roth IRA, as well as her Roth TSP account. We have 165,000 in a taxable brokerage account. 25,000 in um, taxable retirement accounts from the different states that I've worked in. Uh, another 25,000 in, emer- in an emergency fund. We have 13,000 in a 529 plan for our two-year-old son and another 3,500 in a checking account. Wow. So you got quite quite the spread. Let's start with the paid for rental. How did that come about? So at our last, I guess the last base that we were at, we were in a, living in a small town in Tennessee and we just absolutely love living there. So we wanted to buy a house and with the idea that we would rent it out once we left. So, I mean, that was the thought process behind it. We just wanted to keep roots there. And mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, we moved a year ago, year ago yesterday, actually. And it's been rented out. It took a couple of months to get a um, renter in there, but it's been rented out ever since then. How did you, I mean, that's paid for no debt on it. How did that transpire? Cash, paid cash for it. Uh, you saved so, up 300 grand and paid cash for the house that was going to become there's a, a rental, lot of appreciation there. Yes. We, okay. Okay. We paid 240 for it. And, um, you know, with the housing, the, the area is starting to blow up, actually. It's about an hour south of Nashville. So a lot of people are moving to that area. Um, so the house is appreciated quite a bit. But yeah, we had 240. Like I said, it was coming out of COVID and swing trading stocks is kind of a side hustle for me. Especially during COVID when I had nothing else to do and, you know, the market had really tanked. So I was buying into companies um, who basically were on the verge of bankruptcy. You know, I bought into Chipotle, Carnival, and Royal Caribbean, made some good money there. Uh, But my two biggest ones were Dave & Buster's. I bought in that in the, I think my average was like $8. And then I finally sold it all when it was in the 30s. And then the other thing, and this was kind of lucky on our part, I, I heard an interview with the CEO of Moderna um, in January of 2020. And I, he was explaining like the science behind what they were doing. And I thought, eh, that sounds kind of interesting. And I showed that interview to Ellie and she thought it was interesting too. So we just put $1,000 into Moderna, bought it at $20 a share. And obviously it exploded after that. And, you know, and in hindsight, it's always 2020. I wish we would have bet the farm on that one, being a different place now. But I, uh, so like I said, bought that at $20. I sold some at 200 when it hit 200. So this is getting kind of crazy. But so I sold some to just make our money back that we put in the $1,000. And then at that point, we were just playing with house money. And I finally sold off the rest of it when it hit 400 because I thought, man, this is just getting ridiculous at this point. And uh, I know it topped out at like 450 or 460. So I could have even squeezed a couple more multiples out of it. But I didn't want to get greedy there. Um, so yeah, we sold the rest of it 400. So we, uh, you know, did fairly well on, in the stock market and had some uh, quite a bit of cash laying around because of that. And then you used that cash to go buy the house? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. 
Found for a nice you. house in a nice neighborhood. And yeah, it was uh, just enough, like basically right at the amount of cash that we had. So we kind of lucked out there. Yeah. Why, why did you decide to buy it in cash versus get a mortgage, especially at that time with rates, you know, as low as they were at that, at that point? I know we, t- we always tell people that and we, it's, it's interesting hearing people's reactions. Some people are like, oh, that's really cool. We got That's awesome. And other people are like, oh, you guys are stupid. But as f- we are very anti-debt and we're not opposed to having a mortgage in the future by any means. Um, you know, it's a big purchase. So we're not opposed to taking out debt for a house. But at that point, we, we had the cash, we had the money food and when we looked into, you know, having a 30 year mortgage and seeing that, and even though rate, rates were low, you're exactly right. Seeing that over the life of that, we're going to be paying over a hundred thousand dollars in interest. And we're like, we have the money now. I don't want to pay an extra hundred thousand dollars for this house over the next 30 years, you know? So we just went ahead and pulled the trigger. And I'll tell you the only day that we regret, we have regretted it was the day that we wired over almost a quarter of a million dollars. Cause that was like a punch to the gut. But other than that is it has been an absolute blessing. That's awesome. So where you're living now, paid for, renting? <laughs> renting, yeah. So I know on paper that doesn't make much sense, having to pay for a rental property, and then we are renting ourselves also. But um, like she said, we have to move around every two years. So And it was, it was really a surprise coming to the San Antonio area because up until about three weeks before we were moved down here, we were under the impression we were going to the East Coast. And then all of a sudden the Air Force is like, surprise, you're going to Texas instead. So, yeah, we really didn't have a whole lot of time to get everything planned here. And we're so we're just renting for the time being while we're here. Saving up again. Yeah, saving up again. That's kind of what we use our brokerage account for is like uh, savings for a, to buy a house. Maybe where we end up next, just going to depend on where that, where that is. Yeah, And it also depends on where we move because... Some locations we can afford a house. Other, there's no way we would ever afford a house like out in California or you know on the west coast somewhere. So or east coast or east coast, yeah, and like Boston, which could be an area we could end up. So we just kind of play it by ear where we're going and then kind of decide. And how long is your commitment with the military? So as an officer, I really don't have like a an end time, um, but I did just agreed to at least work for another four years. Um, so I'm in for at least another four years. <laughs> um, so, no, but you're just over 10. Yeah, 10 here. So we'll, we'll make another decision at 10, you know, based on family situation, kids, you know, is this the right to keep moving every two years? Or if it's, you know, it's time to settle down. Place, yeah, find a place to, to put down roots. Very nice. So let's back up. Talk us through how your financial journey started. Was one person leading the charge on that? Was it both of you? How did that go? Uh, yeah, it's pretty much been me. Uh, I'm the financial <laughs> nerd. Uh, not that she wouldn't be capable of taking care of herself by any means, but yeah, I'm the financial nerd. So I kind of do the, all of that. But like we talked about with the student loans, I had paid all of my student loans off by the time that she and I had met. And then on our very first, first date, date. <laughs> yeah, uh, the topic of student loans came up. And because for me, it's really important to be on the same page um, financially with my spouse. So, I mean, being millennials, I'm, like I said, on our first date, the topic of student loans came up and she just told me how much she had. And I was like, oh, so um, and I because it was $60,000. It was 80,000. Oh, it was 80. It was 80. Oh, wow. Damn. Did you lie to me? <laughs> 
No, I told you 80. <laughs> All right, I thought it was 60. And he stuck around? Wow. <laughs> okay, like I said, I thought it was 60. Maybe that extra 20. Yeah, right. Well, no, and then that that's what it was because I just kind of threw it out there. I was like, geez, what's a person do in that case? And like, she didn't have to answer it. It was just like, you know, tossing that out. She didn't have to respond, but she came back with a super detailed plan. And I was like, whoa. Nice. This is awesome. <laughs> we figure when we got married, uh, our net worth was right at zero because I had some money saved up and then she had that, the student loans. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've been married for a little over five years and we're, we've hit over just over 800000 Because we paid off my student loans during my our first year of marriage. Was it the first year? Yeah. So I was deployed. Um, so we saved up all the money while I was deployed. Um, all the, and then right when I got home, we had enough to just pay cash for, pay the, cash rest of for the rest of my loans and just pay them all off. But the Air Force did. Pay. Yes. So the reason why we waited is because I was getting every year while I was in the Air Force for the first three years, I was getting a lump sum directly towards my loans. So if we waited, I think it was two years with me in the military, I got, I think, 40000 paid off and then the rest we could pay off mm-hmm. ourselves. So that's why we waited to that specific day after I got back from my deployment to um, pay it off. The military did help a little bit. Awesome. So that's kind of paying off the student loans. What about your very first investments? So I knew absolutely nothing about investing until I was 28. Um, And I had just started my first teaching job at that point. And I was actually making pretty decent money. I'm probably one of the few people who can say that their first teaching job was also their highest paying teaching job. But so I was 28. And that year I went home for Christmas to visit my parents. And um, they, as a gift, they gave me, well, I'll go back because I thought the way people became millionaires back then was just you accumulate money in a savings account. So that's all I was doing with all my spare extra money. I was just throwing it into the savings account and you know, hoping that that would turn into a million bucks within the next 30 or 40 years. I had no idea about anything else. But anyway, I go home for Christmas and my parents got me the, the Dave Ramsey book, The Total Money Makeover. And I didn't know who he was. And they said, yeah, you know, he's the get out of debt guy. And uh, in my mind, I was thinking, well, I don't have any debt. Why do I need this? But, you know, I smiled and I said, thank you. And I sat down a day or two later to read it. And I was like, oh, the investing part. Okay, so that's what I need to get into. So I went home. When I got back home, it was after the new year. So I immediately set up um, a Roth IRA and funded it for that year. And I learned that I could also fund it for the previous year, too. So right away, I had $12,000 in there. And I spread it. I just put it in mutual funds. Now, now I vividly remember the first time where, you know, like the market went up 1% in a day and I made about a hundred bucks or a little over a hundred bucks. And it was just like this light bulb epiphany moment for me because like growing up on a farm, sometimes I would go spend weekends on my uncle's farm and work my butt off, you know, baling hay or picking up sticks and stones out of fields and all that. And if I was lucky, he would give me a hundred bucks for the entire weekend to work. Um, but here I was, you know, I didn't do anything to make this hundred bucks. I just, I was just putting money into mutual funds. So I was instantly hooked right then. And I started to read everything I could, um, about investing and, uh, eventually moved on from the, like, you know, like the Dave Ramsey point of view of just investing in mutual funds. And I got into some stocks too, because mutual funds get kind of boring. Yeah. My first investment was a little different. (laughs) This is a fun story. So I think I was 12 years old and we had gone out to San Jose and there used to be a women's soccer team out there back in the early 2000s. Uh, The 
WUSA, it was the Women's United Soccer Association, back with like Mia Hamm and all that era. We went to the game and as we were walking in, someone approached me and my mom and said, hey, would you like to kick for cash at halftime? And I was like, well, yeah, this, that sounds awesome. So at halftime, I went down to the field and I got to do one of those little games where I had to kick the ball in the goal and they had like a net, uh, thing over it. So there were certain holes to get in and I, uh, I won $500. So, <laughs> and the typical 12 year old, you know, you would probably spend it, but my mom's like, no, we should put this in a, um, in a, a rock for you. And I was like, okay. So I listened to her. And at the time my parents were using Edward Jones. So we went there, we set up the account for me. And I remember vividly every month getting a little something in the mail saying how much money I had made that month or that quarter. And it was really exciting to, like he said, to see this money growing that I had, I didn't do anything for. I kicked a soccer ball into a net. So, and I would add money to it. Like at Christmas, I'd get money from like family members. Um, so I would put a little bit of money in it here and there. And even in college, um, babysitting money, if I got a lot, um, summer jobs. So I, I kept adding to it slowly until finally I, we got married and started combining um, and moving things around. So that's how mine started. Wow. Well, what a shot. <laughs> I think, yeah. honestly, you say you didn't do anything. You'd been training your entire life for that shot. And I'm so glad <laughs> that you took it. So after you had been kind of investing little by little after that, that was all you had kind of done in terms of investing before you guys got married. Is that right? Yes. That was like my sole retirement before, before I joined the military and got my military retirement set up. Yep. Awesome. So fast forward to today, the rest of the portfolio that's invested in the market, are you day trading that or is that invested primarily in indexed mutual funds, et cetera? It's, it's primarily in mutual funds. I haven't done a lot of uh, swing trading this year. Uh, the last time I did uh, was just over spring break. I kind of lucked out and that was when the big banks out west were failing. And um, I was able to make capitalize on that too, make some money there. But other than that, I haven't done a whole lot this year as far as swing trading. So the rest of the portfolio, it's all invested in your retirement accounts, all in all in mutual funds. Do you plan to keep that strategy going forward? Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's mostly in mutual funds. We do have some in the bigger stock companies too. Like there's uh, Target. We do have several shares of Target and uh, Disney also. And that's something, that's actually some of the money that's in the I guess that's not part of the 529 plan, but her family likes to buy shares of Disney for our son for like holidays and birthdays and stuff like that. So some of that is included in there too. As far as other shares, um, growing up in what uh, Northwest Ohio, um, she wanted to buy some stock in Cedar Point <laughs> or Cedar Fair because yeah, of, um, what was that? What's the park called? Cedar Point. Yeah, Cedar Point. My bad. Yeah. So we have some stock in that also. It has a nice dividend. But yeah, other than that, it's all mutual funds and um, some index funds too, or an index fund. Good deal. So, I mean, I guess one way you could frame having that rental that's paid for, that cash flow, that rent that comes in, effectively, to some degree, is probably paying a majority of your rent, if not all of it today, correct? So you're kind of in one way or another living for free in a way? Oh, yeah, in two ways, actually, because yes, you are correct. Um, it's sweet, too, because our house here is bigger, like significantly bigger than that house in Tennessee. But um, yeah, our rent coming in from the house in Tennessee covers our rent here. But also um, being in the military, Ellie gets what's called BAH. I think it's like a basic housing allowance. Mm -hmm. So uh, we get paid for that, too, which cover also covers our rent and some utilities. Good deal. So 
in terms of like allocation and in, in your mindset, do you plan to take the dollars that you're earning and continuing to max out your accounts or do you save up for rentals or how do you think about, you know, the dollars that come in and where you put them in your buckets? Yes. So we always fully fund our Roth IRAs, both of them. And then after that, everything, and we do contribute to our son's 529 plan every month as well. And we can also talk about the GI bill and uh, where we're going to go with that too in a minute. But as far as anything else, we throw it into that taxable brokerage account. And like I said, and use that as a savings account to eventually buy another house. And we're just, like I said, waiting. And within the next one to five months, we should hear uh, where we're going to be going (laughs) next. So we're just going to base it off of that as to whether we buy a house there or not. Because actually, we had her parents check out a house for us a couple of weeks ago in her hometown. And it didn't work out. We didn't end up putting an offer on it. But we are still kind of looking. Interesting. And given that the taxable is such short term dollars, do you still have that invested in the market? Or do you keep that more in like a money market type account? No, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's a good question. It's all in the market. And the thing is, I know if, uh, if there was, if there were to be a downturn, I mean, we'll just keep renting. I mean, we're, we're very patient. We're, we're in no desperate need or hurry to buy another house. Uh, so far it's, it's been doing really well though, but yeah, we will we'll just keep renting. And there is, I think in there, there about $20,000 of that is cash. Because she, Ellie, actually just recently got promoted and uh, received this uh, re-enlist, yeah, re-enlistment bonus for that too. So I've been slowly uh, dollar cost averaging that into the mutual funds that we have. Nice. Is there a point at which you would feel comfortable not contributing to, to the retirement accounts anymore or that you would increase lifestyle or haven't thought, thought that far yet? I don't think so. We're pretty low key um, <laughs> individuals. Um, we don't need a lot to be happy. Pretty much, really, the only thing outside of basic necessities that we spend money on would be daycare and um, traveling, really. Yeah, we buy everything as used as we can for our son because he just grows so quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm trying to think. I like. I don't have anything I like that is expensive. I'm not into purses or shoes or anything. I like my car. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, it, we were thinking about that the other day. What would we do, especially when we got that bonus money in? And we're, we're not very materialistic. I, I actually set aside a bunch so I could take a trip with my son to, um, Disney. to Disney. So I was like, I want a little bit so I can splurge on the hotel. But yeah. other than that, that's really what we, we splurge on our, our trips. Mm-hmm. I like that. We're, we're big fans of, of experiences as well. So Ellie, you obviously kind of grew up with investing as as a as a strong principle in your home. What is your plan going forward with your son? So right now we are buying him slowly like Disney stocks. So we kind of build that up. And as he gets older, hopefully like let him start looking at that, seeing how it grows and changes, especially right now, because I think it's down. it's down. And then he, every time he gets like a check from family members too, we put that um, away right now in a mutual fund. That's in a mutual fund, yeah. So Jesse does like to watch the stock market sometimes in the summer with him if they're awake. So oh, it's... we're always awake at that point. <laughs> but yeah, we like to watch the stock. CNBC has the hot map of the S and P five hundred, and he likes to point out whether it's green or red for the day. <laughs> so he'll point that out. So. We really want to get him involved in that money early so he understands the value of a dollar because we are in a place too now where he's going to want for nothing, um, which is a little bit different than how both of us grew up where there were times where like my parents struggled. I remember when I was little, 
So he, he's probably not going to see that with us, hopefully. So we want to make sure he understands, you know, you know, the value of the dollar, how and to earn work it. Ethic. And yeah, the work ethic behind it and earning it. And then also the investing side and saving side of it. You know, it's okay to save the money and not spend delayed gratification. Um, it's a big one there. Yeah. Especially with a two-year-old. <laughs> so learning that, um, I think is the biggest thing about teaching him. Sometimes it can be harder to teach kids who grow up with more wealth than you had the lessons that you learned through your own hardships. How do you plan on instilling those principles with him? You know, that's a good question because, uh, well, I mean, one of my first childhood memories is being at the grocery store with my mom and she's writing a checkout for the groceries. And she just looked down at me and she goes, we're broke. And that has always stuck with me. And I think it's made me more like the frugal person at the end of this day. And like Ellie said, you know, we're fortunate to be in a spot where our son is going to have to live like that. But I still think, uh, and like we talked about, we're, we're not materialistic. We're very simple um, that. I don't know that our lifestyle is going to show him that we really have money and assets. So, and I think it, I mean, we're just going to do what we can to encourage him to have a strong work ethic and show him, you know, if you need money, that's, you got to go to work. That's what you have to do. He'll have to have a job, yeah. you know, at a certain age, you know, mm -hmm. if he wants to have a car, he's going to have to contribute to some of it. Um, college, mm -hmm. we've talked about making him pay at least a portion. Well, and that's where we can get into the GI Bill too, because yeah. since you will have been in for the military for over 10 years, then we can transfer the GI Bill to him and he would have college 100% paid for. Uh, but you're, she's also pregnant, five months pregnant. <laughs> we're, <laughs> um, so we're expecting a, a baby girl on December 1st. Um, so another thing we could do would be to uh, split that GI Bill 50-50 between them. And then we could contribute some on top of that. And then also, I mean, we're not opposed to making them have a little bit of skin in the game, too, because I think that makes you work harder for it. Wow. Well, congratulations, Thank by you. the way. <laughs> so how have you gotten your family on board with helping set your kids up financially? We've been very fortunate with that because our family, I mean, it, it just amazes me because our family, like I said, there were tough times for us growing up, but our parents had way tougher times than we did and as well as their siblings. And everybody has come out of that really well. Like they use the, the tough times as motivation to better themselves and they've all done very well for themselves. So it, it just has come up. Like, I mean, they send us money for birthdays and stuff. They send in money for Disney stocks. So we just keep it going, put it in a mutual fund and, or like I said, buy the Disney stocks for them. <laughs> So we've been very fortunate. Yeah, it was their idea to buy the yeah. stock too. We didn't even approach him. They're like, you know, he, he has all these toys already. Why don't we just buy yeah. a stock for him? We're like, okay. <laughs> I'm here for that because I am throwing away trash bags of toys right now. And I did not buy 95% of them. <laughs> it, it can, I mean, honestly, because with kids, there's always a birthday or a this or a that, or they get a, a little squeaky toy from the doctor's office or whatever. It's It just is always ever growing, but having something that, you know, he can really start investing for his future. There's nothing more valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we agree. So we've talked about this a, a little bit, but I'd love to, to, to dive a little deeper. You know, the, the mindset of where do you go from here? What does the outlook look like? You know, do you hit a number? Do you plan to retire early? You know, walk us through kind of what you're thinking now being, you know, fairly young and, and, and well on your way to, to, you know, high levels of financial success, especially when you're, you're not, you know, living a very expensive lifestyle. 
Yeah. And then we were talking about this the other day about retiring early. Like we're going to have to come up with some new hobbies because on paper, retiring early sounds great. But in reality, we get bored pretty quickly. <laughs> so I feel like both of us will probably work for a while longer. We we both like our jobs quite a bit. want to work at least while the kids are in the household well, yeah. so they can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but as far as goals, we just want to like keep accumulating and eventually get to the point where hopefully we'll have a few more rental properties and that would be able to, uh, we'll have monthly cash flow to, you know, replace our incomes if we wanted to scale back work or something like that. But then, uh, we've also talked about eventually, I guess it'd be kind of a dream to have a second home in Banff, Canada. That's where we went on our honeymoon and we just fell in love with that area and can't wait to get back. So we've actually been looking at uh, houses there already, just like, as a dream, basically. But um, that is something we would like to do in the future, too. So that's one of the goals. We talked about, too, buying uh, like an RV and kind yeah. of just like traveling around and working like kind of seasonal jobs like he used to do. Just, you know, especially when the kids are like maybe in college already out of the house, you know, we could do that. Or even before, and just homeschool them. Yeah, it yeah. all depends on I guess yeah. age. I want teenagers, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> with something like that, um, we've talked about too uh, that possibility, and I think that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a target net worth at all that you're you're working towards, or just keep plowing away, plowing away, and see what happens? Right now, just keep plowing away, and like, yeah, just see what happens. I mean, I never would have dreamed that we'd be sitting at an eight hundred thousand dollar net worth just five years into our marriage. And it just, it blows me away every time I think about it. So um, we don't, like I said, don't have a set number right now. Just just keep plowing away and he said, see what happens. We also live, like as of last year taught us, you know, the military can keep us on our toes pretty easily. (laughs) So there's no guarantee that Jesse will ever find a job when he moves. Um, So we also do like having, (laughs) saving it now when we have the money to save because, you know, next year he could wherever we move, he could become a stay-at-home dad, essentially, just because the job market or, you know, the cost of daycare is just insane wherever we are. Well, so, and that's the nice thing about having yeah. a net worth like this is that it gives us that option. So um, if we get the placement that we're really hoping for, then I likely will yeah. be a stay-at-home dad for next year, the following year. And then we'll see what happens after that um, as far as kids go. And then if I do get back into the teaching field. Interesting. So Elliot, I'd love to, to get your thoughts a little bit on just a career in, in the military in general. You know, now having done it for a few years, you know, what are the, the major benefits and why do you keep deciding? And I know you mentioned that you're able to, to travel around a little bit, but what, what is it that, that really keeps you, you know, outside of the flexibility that you know, sell our listeners, so to speak, on, on a career in the military. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm going to give my recruitment speech. Um, <laughs> I, I am going to say military isn't for everyone, um, but it, for the people it is for, it is wonderful. You get to meet people from all walks of life, from everywhere. I've had friends who grew up in Alaska. Um, you know, we've people who grew up very differently from how I did, um, you know, on a farm in Oklahoma or, you know, they grew up in Alabama. Um, so you just meet people who just so different from you, 
And that's so eye-opening too. I've, that culture um, is a little bit of a culture shock. I'm not going to lie. When you first join and you meet these people, they're, they're so different. And I will say the JAG core specifically, we're a little bit smaller, um, keep to ourselves. But I do when I do get out and meet some of the other career fields um, out there, it's just been wonderful. During my deployment, I met some um, great people out there. It's just it's so different. And, and with that, so traveling, you're, you're just going to different places. I never would have moved to um, our first assignment was in South Dakota. I never would have moved. But, you know, I was there for two years and absolutely fell in love with that state. That's where you met me. Yeah. <laughs> and then moving to Tennessee and then down here. I never would have moved to Texas. Um, but here we are. No. And it's been great just traveling those different parts of the country, exploring them. That that part I really enjoyed, and then the job within the South in the military, um, you kind of feel like you have a higher purpose, especially as things kind of happen overseas, where um, you know there's other state actors out there, and you, you realize what you're doing is it could, could be really making an impact somewhere, in the, um, you know, not just in the United States, but but around the world. Um, when your mission is to get that you know the airplane off the ground, um, and you do, and then you see it in the news. Um, that, you know, that bomber, that, you know, fighter is out there. Um, it, it's, it makes you feel like you're working for a higher purpose. Um, and I really enjoy that. My job is different every day. Um, so I can definitely say everything that comes in um, across my email, across my desk. I'm like, okay, let's learn something new today. I've learned so much um, in the last six and a half years that I don't think I would have ever learned not in the military at a typical, you know, legal office um, out there. I, it's been incredible, just the different areas of law I've gotten to experience um, and learn. It's, it's been um, great doing all of that. And then, yeah, just, you know, knowing you have a mission every day to work towards. And I think having that mission is really important when you're, when you have a job, because sometimes when you're working and you're not, there's nothing, you know, you're not working towards something or it, it can get, get you down, but knowing that there's, there's that mission there that you have to get done. That's really been you helpful. Have a purpose. Yeah. That's amazing. Certainly not something that everybody has and you have a real love for your profession, the people that you're serving and the country that you're serving. So thank you for your service. It's a different type of service and thank you for, <laughs> for that. We appreciate that. Jesse, what about you? Sell us on, sell us on your career. <laughs> Yeah, well, like I said, I'm uh, starting as, as my 10th year as a special education teacher. And if you had asked me when I first went back to get my teaching certification, if I would do special education, I would have said, you're crazy. Um, I just wanted to coach and uh, teach PE and health. But I quickly realized that the jobs are in special ed. So that's why I went ahead and got that certification, too. But and it's just like Ellie said, you go in and you have a purpose. It's very rewarding because... I work with kids that uh, struggle to read and struggle with math also. Um, and to make a sports analogy, the kids I work with are, if you're comparing them to the NCAA basketball tournament, they're like the 11 and 12 seeds. They're the underdogs. But if they get, if somebody like teaches them the fundamentals and teaches them strategies they can use to either learn to live with their disability or to even overcome it, then like those kids are going to pull off the upset. And that's what I love to see. And that's what keeps me going back every day. And just like, you know, every year an 11 or 12 seed will pull off an upset in the tournament. Every year we have kids that test out a special ed and it's super rewarding. It's amazing. And I have a special, you hold a special place in my heart. My oldest brother has special needs. He, oh. um, he has cerebral palsy and he's blind and paralyzed. He's been in a wheelchair 
pretty much his whole life. He was expected to live until he was about 20, and he is 48 years wow. old. That's amazing. So um, anyway, and I find that people with special needs, particularly that level of special needs, I've never found people closer to God or more pure. They just seem to have this kind of umbilical cord <laughs> to heaven um, <laughs> yeah. and happiness and light that, um, you know, that you don't find everywhere. And I find I learned so many lessons from my brother and his mm. friends on happiness in all circumstances and a simple life, certainly not without their challenges, but, um, but anyway, so thank you for, for what you do and you help people like my brother. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. Awesome. Well, let's wrap up with some rapid fire questions. What's the uh, most expensive pair of shoes that you've purchased? And I want to hear answers from both y'all. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be me. Um, I have ran track and cross country my entire life and I'm still an avid runner to this day. So uh, we went out and bought me a $250 pair of the Nike Vaporflies that are supposed to make you run 4% faster. Um, so that's my most expensive shoe purchase. I bought some cowboy boots, some real other cowboy Texas boots. So it's 200. Those were about 200, I think. So but they were also like 10 years old. <laughs> Okay. Did did the Nikes make you run faster? You know, I think they're worth a couple seconds per mile for me anyway. But the main benefit I get from them is that uh, I can like race or run a hard workout in them and not feel terrible the next day. So they really help hmm. with the recovery. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's nice when you're getting to be my age, yes. <laughs> What 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 about the boots? Did they make you feel a little more Texan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good deal. Good deal. What about the most expensive meal out that y'all paid for? So we were talking about this and I, th I think it was just a few months ago. Her parents happened to be visiting uh, on their anniversary. So we went out to a local brewery and spent, it was like 130 bucks on, and that was for meals for all of us. Yeah, four adults and a toddler meal and then drinks and dessert too. So I know it's probably not even that bad for all of that, but we don't go out to eat very often. I like no. to cook. And so I do a lot of the cooking for us. Okay. Uh, what's the best bucket list experience that you've had so far? I would say going to Banff for our honeymoon. Oh, mine is going to be paragliding over the Nachschwanstein Castle in, oh. <laughs> in Germany. <laughs> okay. What about the one you're looking forward to? I really want to hike to Machu Picchu in Peru. That'd be, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's number one on my bucket list. I'm taking my son to Disney for the first time in a month, and I'm really excited to see his reaction to everything. So he's, yeah, he's not going. I'm not going. I'm going to stay home <laughs> and watch football. <laughs> Hey, those are those are magical moments for sure. We just uh, had a meal with Mickey and Minnie and Goofy or something not too long ago on a on a trip with our kids, and uh, obviously impactful on Jace. He cannot remember who was there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was Mickey and Minnie and Goofy. No, Pluto, not Goofy, because CJ kept asking for Goofy and Pluto. And I I lost track after that. They had several characters, but at any rate, my kids, you know. They're a little older than the time we took them to Disney, and it's it's a different experience for sure. It's kind of it's kind of magical to watch it all kind of <laughs> unfold. What's an important lesson that you learned from childhood? I would say, you know, I mean, back to dealing with money, how you have to work for everything that you get, 
And then, I mean, another story that has caused my frugality as an adult was uh, hearing my grandma talk about growing up during the Depression. She grew up on a farm and they were basically subsistence farmers. So there's a really bad drought those years, so they couldn't grow anything. And she's her uh, older brother ended up leaving home and joined the Civilian Conservation Corps, the CCC. And she's adamant that, I mean, if it hadn't been for him sending money back home every month, they would have starved to death. So, I mean, I grew up hearing those stories, too. So just always having something set aside for a rainy day and always working for what you get. We took trips every summer. Um, that was my parents' big thing. Like they would always say for a big vacation every summer, we travel anywhere, all across the, the country, sometimes the world. We um, went overseas once um, to Europe. And I think that saving up and going on a trip because they would have me sell lemonade, you know, during the summer so I could save a little bit of money. So I had spending money. I just remember saving and getting so excited for that trip. And I, I really think that instilled a lot of the travel in me and then saving for it. And, you know, that experience you get. Awesome. What has been the most fun that you've had with money? Huh. <laughs> See, I'm bad because I don't spend much money. <laughs> I guess I would go back. It's the most fun I've ever had with money is all the traveling that I've done, and especially uh, like working the national park jobs before I kind of settled down. I didn't make hardly any money, but the experiences that I had were, I mean, worth more than money. So I guess I would go with that. Just the experiences with traveling. Yeah, I think traveling. We took a little um, trip, especially it was during COVID. So we got to stay in some fancy hotels for, we still had a splurge on them a little bit, but we stayed in like downtown Nashville. Yeah. Um, had a view of the Capitol right out of our window. Yeah. The, and like, this is a really nice ho- um, hotel because they gave us like champagne yeah. and we were like, do, do we belong here? Um, so like, that was kind of fun. Did we have to pay for this or <laughs> <laughs> can we drink this? Yeah. And then we went to the restaurant in the basement. It was like the cellar. It was really cool. Yeah. That was, um, I think that was a really fun trip. Yeah. That was cool too. Yeah. What's your favorite national park? Oh, I'm going to have to say Yellowstone out of the ones that I've been to. I spent a summer working there. I was I was an employee recreation director. So I got to take people hiking and whitewater rafting and stuff. And I just it was an awesome summer seeing all the wildlife and uh, the mountains and just the wilderness. It was, it was so much fun. I haven't been to nearly as many as he has, but um, I'd say probably the Badlands or South Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota Badlands or maybe the Smokies, Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. Ooh, those two, we ha- I, have, I have not been to either one of those. But Yellowstone, we went last summer and I thought they were the most beautiful stars I've ever seen. And I told oh, Jace, yeah. I am coming back when we are old and I'm going to sit there with my camera on a tripod for hours until I get the perfect picture of a moose. <laughs> well, if you want moose, you need to go down to the Tetons. There's a lot of moose down there and not as many in Yellowstone. <clears throat> oh, well, no wonder I'd have to wait for so long. She got mad because I saw a good one on one of my bike. I was mountain biking and I, and I got yeah. a good, good little picture. Oh, really? And she's like, why haven't I seen one of those? I was like, hey, you gotta come to the top of the mountain and come mountain bike with me. Yeah. And I like to hang out below about what? Seven, seven, 8,000 feet. Yeah. I think we went to like, Six or seven national parks last summer. We did a big road oh, trip, sweet. and I didn't see a moose, and he did, and I'm still yeah. I'm so mad about it. But I'm going to the Tetons now, changing plans, and also I'm coming with you to Banff because that's one of the most <laughs> beautiful places I've ever been Incredible. on Earth. Yeah, love it. I love it there. Stunning. Yeah. Now be careful with the moose, though. They they can be they get pretty angry. Yeah. I'm gonna be far. I'm gonna be far away. Okay, stay far away. <laughs> <I'll>, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. All you got to do is come mountain biking because I saw another one in Colorado a few months <laughs> later too. <Nice>. So, <laughs> well, did you guys go to the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone? We had the really big waterfall. We did. So that's where I worked. We did. Canyon Lodge. Oh, there. wow. Yeah, it was like a quarter mile hike from my the dorm that I lived in to the top of the waterfall. Wow, that's yeah, pretty cool. Sweet. What's a closely held belief that you've recently changed your mind on? Um, I would say, I guess the way that we eat lately, we've changed our stance on that. We used to, you know, wouldn't bat an eye about like eating processed food and tons of sugar and stuff like that. But we've tried to get away from that now and eat more, I want to say, quote, real food that, you know, like only has one ingredient in it. So what you see is what you get. So I would say that's probably the big thing that we've changed recently. Trying to go, I used to be like, why would I pay more for like an organic something? <laughs> but I've definitely changed my mind on that recently and um, tried to be more conscious when yeah. <laughs> we go grocery shopping. Okay. What's the craziest thing you've ever done to earn money? You have a good answer for that? I used to work at my friend's grandpa's greenhouse in the summer sometimes, but that was probably the weirdest job I've had. Yeah, I, I haven't done anything too crazy. Um, <laughs> growing up on the farm, like I said, used to make money um, throwing sticks out of fields and baling hay and stuff like that. I was a dog walker through oh, law school. That's how I helped keep my student loans down and how I paid for like the fees and all my um, books. So I dog walked uh, during the day uh, at lunchtime and then I would like house it. Um, I would just jump from house to house during law school. Awesome. What's your last pieces of advice that you would give to somebody who's just starting out? I would say just have a positive attitude and just believe in yourself that you can do this. I know I, I, I love quotes. Like I'm a coach. I love quotes. Um, and Henry Ford says, if you, whether you think you can or you can't, you're correct. And I think about, I have a lot of friends and family members who always think somebody's out to get them, the government and their friends, like their bosses are just holding them back. And I'm like, no, I, you guys all it takes is living below your means and putting away money each month. And you guys could be successful also. It takes commitment. You have to be committed. So if you are just not really trying or sort of trying some days, you're, you know, you try to save money, but other days you don't, or, you know, that's, that's not going to get you anywhere. You have to be committed. You have to throw yourself into it. Um, I'll say being on the same page as your spouse also. Yes, that is a hundred percent. Very important. We have a rule of if it's over a hundred dollars, we have to tell each other about it. (laughs) So if you buy stock for over a hundred dollars, you're supposed to tell me if I buy something on Amazon, it's over a hundred. I have to tell them, um, which has made me question, should I be buying this Um, a few times? (laughs) So I think that is huge being on the same page, communicating about money. I mean, we really don't fight about it. We, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. A hundred dollars seems pretty trivial, but it, it's the communication thing. We have never vetoed each other <laughs> no. spending over a hundred dollars. Um, it's just the communication aspect yeah. of it. Like coming to us for something, a big purchase. Yeah. Don't give my wife any ideas. I think there was one time where I made a pretty large investment. I didn't tell her. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. It was like $25,000. Honey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that, yeah. you know, I'm asking, was that like stocks or mutual funds or something? Or what no, was I was buying, buying a, I was investing in a syndicated real estate deal with the, some other people. But. <laughs> and now that you reminded me, I'm out again. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, geez. Good times, good times. Well, Jesse, Ellie, net worth $800,000 plus rising quickly. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.